Welcome to Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by Meredith. Hello. How are you? Uh, I am doing okay. The uh, There are some flurries here in Wisconsin this morning, which is somewhat lovely, although, uh, you know, I can't ever get to the winter wonderland fast enough. Um, <laughs> and as I was telling you, facing a little bit of a neighbor dilemma. I could probably use some advice on this, actually. Yes. So you teased this story a little bit when we were talking or texting, I guess, earlier, but The issue is, as I understand it, that not that your neighbors are smoking weed, but that they are smoking um, bad weed. Yes, it is extremely pungent. I think we all know what this conjures up. And I... Well, for those maybe who don't know, know, bad weed tends to smell like um, a skunk has just sprayed all over the place, (laughs) which is why it's called skunk weed. (laughs) Yeah. And it does tend to carry in scent. Yes. So, you know, I live in an apartment building. I'm no stranger to people smoking marijuana. These are not the issues. I'm not here to narc on anyone. Sure. But it's just not very neighborly if you decide to have like a big smoky like Saturday night. If I come home in the morning and I walk in and the first thing I smell once I get to my floor is the overwhelming odor of marijuana. Like, that just doesn't feel very considerate to the rest of us. You know what I mean? I know you had said, like, you would feel like a pretentious jerk if you said anything because you realize not everybody has access or can afford good weed. What I think would be very funny is if instead of, you know, like, when you bring the neighbors, like, a gift basket, if you just dropped off, like, very good weed. I know. I thought about, I was like, do I, the next time I drive to Illinois, uh, do I need to get a gift to this person? Another friend suggested I just buy a little vaporizer and set it outside the door with a little bow on it. I think if you had a little gift card, it would be, or a little gift basket, it would be so funny if you went to like a dispensary, if they have gift cards or something. And then like, yeah, well now we're talking about you spending a lot of money, but you know, if the spirit moved you like a little... Uh, an eighth of weed and a pen and just like in a little basket. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine and... opening your door and seeing <laughs> a tiny basket of weed on the floor? <laughs> it would be the greatest day of my life. <laughs> oh, I mean, I would definitely, I think that would be fantastic. Yeah. And I, you know, there's, there's a lot of like issues. Yeah, I guess it's just the, I feel like an asshole because you don't want to be narking no. on anyone or be, you know. Uh, well, we should jerk. say too, you're not calling the cops. You're just, no, you're just saying not, that you don't like the smell in the hallway, which is your right. You have that right. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and also the, you know, this, I live in a, a building that is, you know, I'm, I'm paying a significant amount in rent. Sure. It's Join not, the club, sister. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but in a way that my next door neighbor could definitely afford to get better weed or better paraphernalia. And I just kind of want to be like, come on, man, just do me a solid. I have to say, I I'm so glad I live in a building now that's primarily families. Because when I lived in a fucking studio in Williamsburg, it was like constant, like people smoking inside, like party like raging parties until like three o'clock in the morning because everybody's fucking 20 <laughs> it was like yep. 
I need my eight hours. Yeah. So um, this is more my speed. But there have been a couple times when I go for a walk in the morning and in the lobby of our building, I also smell skunk weed. And the thing is, like, the smell of good weed smoke is one of my favorite smells in the world. I find it, like, tremendously comforting. It makes me very nostalgic. It's like a little... It's it's like my version of a weighted blanket. <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. But when you smell bad weed, oh, it's it's not a pleasant way to wake up. So I'm I'm sympathetic. Yeah. And so of course, you know, if anyone has any advice on this sort of how you do how how to deal with this in a neighborly way, just to so you, say, you, you know, I don't have a problem with this. Yeah. But it's being a little bit disruptive. Well, you, you already know. have my suggestion, weed gift basket. Yeah, so which if, is a good one. If anybody but. <laughs> can uh, one-up weed gift basket, hashtag Late Trees and Pod, or you can just tweet at Meredith uh, L. Clark on Twitter. And yes, please. Let her know directly. But yeah, dealing with neighbors is so tough. Like I, I usually just surrender where it's like I hear everything my upstairs neighbor does, and it's truly not their fault. We just live in a, a very old building, so I don't even know what I would say to them if mm-hmm. I went upstairs I have a friend who this was like the most baller move where <laughs> she also had the same issue she could hear every footstep and she realized man if they had carpeting um I wouldn't be able to hear their footsteps as much so she bought a rug for them wow and left it and they used it they used it so it did work. And I was like, man, that is a slick move. Um, but yeah, I knowing my luck, I would buy it and they would just like put it out on the curb. <laughs> like, <laughs> why did someone leave trash <laughs> in front of yeah. our door? Um, but yeah, that to me, that was one of the boldest uh, moves I've heard about someone dealing with a neighbor. But yeah, I just ignore it because I was raised Irish Catholic. So I will internalize it until I have a heart attack. Hey, I mean, that is also... <laughs> A valid and uh, time-honored tradition. In the way of my people, I will die at 75. Um, So, everybody, we have so much to talk about today. But before I get to that, I had a couple more Patreon comments that I wanted to read. Recommendations slash comments. And just a reminder, I just posted for my supporters over at Patreon. If you're a supporter of mine, you get to skip the line. And I'll read your stuff first on the show. That's the deal. That's the perk you get. So both of these comments are from Brian. Very active in the comments section. We love to see it. Uh, And they write, since you mentioned that a lot of your listeners are into RPGs, I can recommend a channel for them that they might enjoy, even if they don't play D&D 5th edition. The channel is called Tulak the Barbarian, and he does videos about how to play characters from other media in D&D. He's got various videos on the Marvel heroes, DC characters, and all the Ninja Turtles, Steve from Stranger Things, etc., And his politics seem pretty good, too. He never uses the phrase Medicare for all in his video about mercy from the game Overwatch, but he was so subtle, so unsubtle, he didn't need to. He's also very good at justifying his choices, good improv skill, and not afraid to not go out. No, wait, hold on. And not afraid to not go with the obvious. Uh, For one example, for his build of Gandalf from Lord of the Rings, You'd think wizard or sorcerer, right? No. 
dual class Barb and Paladin. You didn't see that coming, did you, Meredith? No, I did not. <laughs> it makes it makes sense. That's all <laughs> I'll say. Okay, so a very specific D and D recommendation for everyone. I believe the only time we've talked about D and D on this show is Eric and I acknowledging that it's very weird that neither I nor he have ever played D and D. Yes, and I. I have also never, never played. I get think, out of here. You know, get out hey, of here. <laughs> uh, my, uh, my sister was the D&D gamer in, oh, hey, really? my, uh, in my family. Yeah. Very uh, cool. And so good for her. But yes, my, my experience is limited other than respecting that all of my friends decided to like turn like anywhere between 35 and 40. And as soon as they hit a milestone birthday, just immediately picked up like obsessively gaming. Yeah. So... So many people. I know, especially during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. it was like the perfect time. And also during the pandemic, a lot of my friends picked up D&D because like improv people are built to do D&D, you know? Yeah. Like so many of my friends are DMs, Dungeon Masters, because Mm -hmm. that's all storytelling. And they're like the smartest people I know. So like, I think it's very cool. I just don't think I have that, whatever part of that, brain activity they have that makes them love like gaming and dnd i don't have it like I've, yeah. I've tried to get into it i've tried to play video games it's not that i don't enjoy it i always enjoy it but i don't i don't get addicted ever so i just like set it down and then i won't go back to it for six months yeah i have the uh okay this is interesting i can sort of see why this is fun what do you mean i have to uh do i, I don't want to kill this person why do i have to be looking all <laughs> over the place I really like, can't I just build something? Okay, I need to go do something with my hands. Yeah, the, I am. There's always like the main yeah. quest that you don't give a shit about. And then there's all these little side quests that are like, oh, this is the cool stuff. This is like, yeah, the world building stuff that uh, I enjoy. So Brian also writes, I was going to wait until you got my Tulak rack. Brian, I got it. Uh, I didn't want a YouTuber named. Magdalene Rose, who I've been a supporter of for years, has had a particularly bad month. Oh, no. I'm not at liberty to say why, but her Patreon patrons know. Okay, so we're not in the know, Meredith. So Okay, that's all right. <laughs> I figure a boost in subscribers could help pick her up at least a little. That's nice. Her channel is a bit esoteric with videos about animation, music. She was my entry into the world of Vaporwave and social commentary, as well as film criticism with a couple of recent videos and silent film classics, Metropolis and Modern Times. Okay, so she's one of us. Magdalene is one of us. Clearly one of us, yes. She also has a few side channels, so to make it clear which one I'm asking people to check out, it's, is everybody ready? YouTube.com slash Silver Screen Reviews. Ooh, okay. Good name, too. Yeah, very good. She's good people. And like I said, October was hard on her. So hard she wasn't able to put up a Halloween video for the first time in six years. Guys, you got to support Magdalene. She hasn't missed a Halloween video in six years. That's hardcore. Um, And that sucks. I'm sorry she's having a hard time. I don't know this lady, but she sounds awesome. Um, So if you're into any of that, maybe hop over to her Patreon and support her. Um, yeah, it's it's a tough time for so many people right now, and I recognize that, which is why I always, always try to thank you all for supporting the show because I know, you know, we're mm-hmm. not all flush right now. <laughs> so. And, you know, it's a, it's a tough time of year, especially to be struggling, and anyone who 
it's a very generous thing to mm. suggest that people check out and yeah. continue to try and help out a person yes. even if they might not know about them. So, Brian, that was lovely. You know. Thank you for doing that. And yeah, I should say also, if anybody else out there, if you if you want to platform anything like that, whether it's, you know, some kind of activism or group you work for, um, you know, within limitations because I can't screen everything. <laughs> so please, <laughs> please don't take advantage of my kindness. But yeah, if somebody's having a tough time and you want to platform them so people can throw them a couple dollars, um, that is also what the comment section is for. So you don't just have to leave recommendations and comments about the show. Now I've opened it up where you can pretty much leave anything because, <laughs> like, why well, put limitations on feedback, right? <laughs> so on that note, I also wanted to shout out uh, John Wee, who just upgraded their support on my Patreon. Thank you so much. What a lovely surprise because I haven't been asking people to upgrade lately because I'm bad at business. Say it with me. If you know me well, you know that. So, um, yeah, I guess I should mention that is also an option. You can upgrade <laughs> your support of my show. I never, ever mention it, but thank you, Jonawi. I really appreciate it. Um, so, Meredith, without further ado, the House of Gucci. Oh, I've been waiting for this. I know. I'm so excited. As soon as the movie was over, I was like, I can't wait to talk to Meredith about this. Because I value your insight, obviously, but also is the type of film that I knew a lot of people weren't going to like, but I was so excited because I knew you would love it. <laughs> oh, yes. I mean, anyone who hasn't seen it yet can rest assured it is not good, but it is great. Yeah. So let me say this. My recommendation section for the show might piss off a lot of people for the following reason. I am going to recommend um, TV shows, movies that have actors in them who I detest as people but you know on this show I generally with with exceptions try to separate the art from the artist so if something's good I'll still recommend it but please 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 know I hate Jared Leto and uh oh my god with a passion that will never ever 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 die <laughs> ever 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 <laughs> <laughs> ever die and also i hate jeremy renner we're gonna get to hawkeye in a second but um just know that i'm recommending them as pieces of art but i acknowledge the feedback that jared leto is a piece of shit they need to stop putting actors in fat suits it's 2021 what the fuck are we doing all of that taken into consideration i recommend house of gucci <laughs> it is a wild film um, oh I mean, you will, it's so I was giggling the whole time <laughs> with just pure un, just pure glee. I know this expression is really overused, but Lady Gaga understood the assignment. <laughs> My only, only complaint about the film is I wish everybody had met her and Jared Leto tone wise. Yeah, I think that, but that was really what you're going to get when you hire Adam Driver, who's very method, very serious. I know. He doesn't have a campy bone in his no. body, despite all of the shirtless Kylo Ren stuff. Yes. The man just can't, he just doesn't know how to get there. No. And, you know, somehow like Al Pacino Wonderful. came off as like, but also was surprisingly subdued next to Jared Leto. Here, here's how extra <laughs> Al Pacino usually is. He is doing the most, and it's still, as you said, a toned-down performance from him. I really 
really enjoyed Al Pacino in House of Gucci, and I can't remember the last time I've enjoyed an Al Pacino performance. I think the moments with him and Jared Leto are so fucking funny. I oh my god! Could yeah. watch them alone all day. Um, there was there's one scene that I thought was especially poignant mm-hmm. uh, where he says to Jared Leto because he said a few times for of course the movie of his son who Jared Leto plays he's an idiot but he's my idiot yeah. <laughs> and there's one moment where he says it to Jared Leto and I thought this is really weirdly touching like oh my god this is a tragedy right here yeah these sad broken men shuffling together through an Italian airport. My God. Yeah, and the tragedy of of someone who's born into wealth and privilege believing they're talented, but they're not, Uh, is just like, oh, it was agonizing, those scenes. Oh, my God. I mean, mean, also, like, he, he just did as crazy as he is and as much as I hate him, I will never, ever forget him calling Adam, like, uh, Maurizio and, uh, Patrizia, I think he calls them potatoes at one point <laughs> when he's screaming at them. Yeah. Um, or I will fly free like a pigeon. Like a pigeon. But- oh my God. Yeah. And here's unfortunately the truth of the matter. Jared Leto's a good actor. So even though he, he's been criticized for doing too much, I'm sorry, I looked forward to seeing him in the film after a while because without him, without Lady Gaga, it I can't say her name normal anymore. I know people are probably okay. like say it normally. I can't say it normally anymore. Um without them, this is a huge fucking snooze fest. I'm sorry. Like the story's not that compelling. Even like from her life, this isn't the most compelling chapter of her life, believe it or not. She's like an insane woman. So yeah. like she convinced the Italian prison system to let her keep her pet ferret with her in prison. Like that's that's the movie. Like d- d- open on the assassination <laughs> and then let's see her life in prison. She's interesting. Salma Hayek is interesting. Jared Leto is interesting in this film. Al Pacino, interesting. Adam Driver, bless him. He's very hot, um, but he, as you said, he's a method actor, and he's just in a different movie, and I was just like, snooze anytime he was on screen. Yeah, absolutely. Although I'm always happy to see Jeremy Irons uh, do anything. So let me so I that will was, say, you know. why does it work with Jeremy Irons? Because he's also doing sort of a method approach, take, you know, approaching the role seriously as a Shakespearean actor, but it works. I think it's just because it's him mm. and I uh and he brings a certain like bored <laughs> aristocratic yes. gravitas to everything. Mm-hmm. I mean that's like his whole bit since he was in Bridehead Brideshead Revisited. Mm-hmm. Um and he looks at home in a castle. You know what I mean? True. Like first of all, he literally owns a castle in the western part of Ireland. Jeremy I'll send you an article. You, I will send you this article and you can post it because it's an absolute delight. He bought a, I think it's like a 15th or 14th century Irish castle on the western coast of Ireland wow. and completely refurbished it with help with from locals and gypsy artisans. Wow. Um, and now he just lives in this castle and smokes rollies and entertains musicians and storytellers with his adorable <laughs> dog. Oh, my God. Can we like sign up to go to that or is it like invite only? I think it's an invite only, although it does sound like if you, in an old timey way, if you showed up in his town and you convinced him that you had like a cracking yarn 
uh, that he might int- invite you to regale his guests in the great room. What if I storm the castle on behalf of the Irish people and I'm screaming, get out English? <laughs> Do you think? You probably like that. You would like it? Okay, cool. Cool, cool, yeah. cool. So any other thoughts on House of Gucci? I'm assuming you are recommending it. I am highly recommending it. I think um, also if you are the kind of person who likes, I do not see it alone. Go see it with your silliest, queerest friend. Good advice. I was in a theater. I was texting Meredith where I was like, the queers are here. It was just like filled with queer people and it was so fun. Although I have to say... I heard mumblings while we were walking out and quite a few of them did not like it. Um, And I think one of the central complaints that I agree with is it's way too long. So long. Yeah. I think they could have shaved off. I was going to say a half an hour, maybe 45 minutes. Yeah. I think that's probably true. Uh, But I do think, yeah, that's my, my advice. I went with uh, a friend who was celebrating her 40th birthday her girlfriend, her husband, her sister, and my boyfriend and his wife. So we were having a grand old time. <laughs> sure. I mean, that sounds like a good time regardless. And then you yeah. put House of Gucci as another layer and it's like, can't fail. Good times had by all. Yeah. I think if you go into it with the mentality of <laughs> there are several performances in this film that are cartoon level uh, out there, but that is the point, And to just embrace it, you'll have a great time. Uh, Don't let Adam Driver convince you that this is supposed to be a serious film. It's not. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, that's about all I have to say about House of Gucci. But I think we were also, did we want to talk about our other, both of us have watched it and now on Netflix. Oh my God, what did I forget to put on my list? The Power of the Dog. Oh, fucking shit. Yes, absolutely. So... You go first because I can't remember if I've talked about it on the show yet. I, I don't remember. Well, if if you have, you know, I know you went to see it in the theater. I watched it on Netflix on Friday night. It's on now. Uh, I just hope that this means a bunch of people dig back into Jane Campion's yes. movies because she's a spectacular filmmaker and has done... I don't think she's got a single dud in her repertoire. No, that's what I tweeted when I got out of Power of the Dog. I was like, Jane, don't miss. Because I literally yeah. can't think of a time that she failed in trying to do what she tried to do. And it's just like every time I watch a Jane Campion film, and this is 100% my own failing as a human being, but I have to remember how good she is every single time. And every single time it starts out and I'm like, "Uh Oh, this is going to be two hours. This seems like a very sleepy film. This feels like it's going to start to drag. And then she just like throws it into this gear that only she can do where suddenly it's like, Oh, the film's over. Oh my God. I was, I was astounded because the last couple of times I've watched a movie that was two hours or more, I've been like checking my watch. Like, I have to say on, one of my happening? one of my favorite things about your recommendations are obviously you recommend to me a lot of horror films, but they're always like an hour and a half, and I'm like, God bless Meredith. Oh, <laughs> keep it I under not, two hours. Yeah, I am. I am a huge fan of the hundred. You know, the eighty-seven to one hundred minute movie. I think all films uh, should be yeah. that length. I I think we yeah. need to do away with this two hour forty five minutes bullshit. Unless it's like a very, very epic film, like a Dune level film where you need that time. Um but don't show me a fucking two hour comedy. What are you doing? 
No. Uh, yeah. So Power of the Dog, obviously, like, yes, it's your basic cowboy deconstructed Western that is about toxic masculinity and the performance of it and how it can poison people forever. Yes, but when but- you hear that, and this is the point I was making, I, I was tweeting something about this. If you hear that, it sounds very uh, didactic and it sounds boring and it sounds like an after school special. And you're like, I don't want a mean feminist to yell at me for two hours. Yes. But it was so subtle and so beautiful. I mean, like, you could watch it and just enjoy New Zealand standing in for, mm. uh, for Montana and be astounded. But the central four people, the performances are spectacular. Like every single second is wonderful. And somehow like the world's most British man really knocked it out of the park. Now, in, you know, did you go through the emotional roller coaster I went through, which is Benedict Cumberbatch showing up as a cowboy. And I went, uh Oh, <laughs> I know. But then I bought it immediately. And I like have cowboys in my family. My cousin is like a ranch manager. Uh, <laughs> I know that. Can we like, go to a ranch? Uh, I don't think it's the kind of ranch we would want to hang out at. Okay, fair. Fair. Uh, but uh, I believed it. I thought, oh, God, this guy's got the walk and the exaggerated, you know, testosterone of all of it. This is, you know, this is someone I believe is out here. So I'll say I never bought him as a rough and tumble cowboy, but that's not what that character is. That character is like he's competent at what he does as as a, a ranch hand as a cowboy, but he also went to Yale. He is, you know, I like spoiler alert for anyone listening. I'll, I I won't completely spoil it, but these are details of the movie, and if you want to avoid them, skip ahead to the music cue. But he is overcompensating because he does have this side to him that's very intellectual, very sensitive, and he hates those traits about himself. He's very self-loathing. And that that scene when they're around the dinner table and he locks into that kid and sees <gasps> all of the oh. qualities of himself that he hates in him. As soon as Benedict turned that on, I was like, I'm in. A thousand percent I'm in. I believe this man is real. I believe you are this character. Anytime he would really go in a passive-aggressive mode with Kirsten Dunn's character, I fully believed those interactions. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is uh, an actually well-done portrait of a broken man who uses bullying to maintain a sense of control over his universe. And I think having watched Jane Campion and Benedict Cumberbatch put this together, it was really stunning to think, wow, most, most TV and movie monsters are really so one dimensional and flat. This is, this is the kind of torture that, people go through when they have to deal with that kind of abuser. Yeah. I'm actually going to put a full spoiler warning on this because there's something I have to talk to you about. Yes. So uh, his name's Cody Simpson, right? Uh, Cody Smith McPhee. McPhee. Okay. (laughs) It's Cody Simpson. Somebody else. Uh, (laughs) I think he's a, I think he's a TikTok. That is, that is somebody though, right? That is an actual (laughs) name. Okay. So uh, Cody, he, 
a lot of people are raving about his performance. I thought he was fine. I thought he was he did a good job. Um, I don't know if he should win an Academy Award like people are suggesting he should win. Um, but totally fine performance. I thought I was a little more taken with Benedict, I think, which is maybe why he didn't shine as much for me. But not the point. Um, I when was the moment you knew that what this film is actually about is how this kid who everybody thinks is weak and overly feminine and, you know, all kinds of like gay coded accusations was actually the apex predator. Uh, when he kills the rabbit. Me too! So the second they showed him dissecting the fucking rabbit in his room, I was like, this kid is gonna steamroll everybody. <laughs> I was like, oh, I mean, we don't really need another gay serial killer, yeah. but I totally <laughs> get that. Like, yeah. I was like, oh yeah, this, this makes sense. And then <laughs> from that moment on, you get to enjoy the film on a whole other level where every interaction with Benedict is like, I was watching Benedict and I was just like, you're fucked. You're fucked. You're fucked. You're fucked. And you think you're in control. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is why, you know, this is, this is why this sort of thing is so dangerous because you start picking on someone. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking for the wrong things and you're picking out weakness as on your terms, you open yourself up to getting, you know, surprise attacked. And then the next thing you know, you're dead from anthrax. You know, like- anthrax <laughs> will get you when you least expect it. But yeah. what I love about Jane is like all of those themes about toxic masculinity, etc., are so obvious. And she never needs to have a character at the end be like, you see, the reason that Benedict Cumberbatch lost is because men think masculinity has one definition, but it has many definitions. Like we don't need to hear that ever. It's just like, she's just a master storyteller. Yeah. It does make me want to revisit the piano, which was one of my favorite films when I was a teenager. Is that because at one point Kirsten Dunst is actually playing a piano and it's like one of the most um, tension filled moments of the film. Oh God. I mean, that was certainly very tense for me, but I, I was thinking more just, oh yeah, I remember that. I remember loving it. And I think it would be an interesting double feature given just the landscape of what's happening. You know, there's a, it's a different kind of frontier. It's wet and rainy and muddy all the time and lush and jungle, but it still deals with so many, you know, not similar issues, but there are, you know, it's, it's characters that feel, uh, like of a piece frontier wise. And, uh, and I just, I just loved it. So I'm probably going to end up going on a Jane Campion, uh, revisitation, uh, mission sometime soon here. I support Um, that. I don't know if it's related to power of the dog, but I, all of a sudden I was like, I need to pick the piano back up and, and start, learning again i miss playing it and i have a friend who's like oh i have a keyboard that i never use if you want it and i'm like am i gonna fucking do this i might do this you should do it i think uh you know i think it would be great if i had access to a keyboard i'd probably start doing the same thing because i've been thinking that like i spent how many years of my life just locking myself in the basement (laughs) and pounding out like Tchaikovsky, I feel like I should probably like give that another go. Like how many <laughs> piano lessons was I dragged to kicking and screaming to learn this instrument? I'm like, I should probably still use this skill. Yeah, exactly. Um, so did you have anything else you wanted to say about power of the dog? 
Uh, I didn't, although just uh, for listeners, if you're interested in, if you see it and you want to watch another one of her movies, I would highly recommend checking out Bright Star. Ugh. That's the one of uh, about uh, Keats's doomed relationship with a seamstress uh, right before he passes away. But it's uh, Abby Cornish and Ben Wishaw plays Keats. And it is some of the most, it's just one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen. One of the qualities I love most about Jane is she appreciates the power of a good twink. And mm-hmm. <laughs> she she yeah. latched onto Ben Wishaw and now we have Cody and I'm like, she gets it. She gets the power of twinks. Yes. And I think like the world would be a better place if more directors. This is what I'm saying. This too. Cast more twinks. And guess what? They don't always have to be white directors. Hint, hint. Um, not Jane. Obviously, Keats had to be white. <laughs> Uh, yes, not calling out Jane with that one. So uh, also in recommendations, I'll, I'll move through this quickly. Cause I don't know if you saw it, Meredith tick, tick, boom. Uh, I have not, uh, but <laughs> I have heard good things yes. about Andrew Garfield. Yes. Andrew Garfield almost certainly will be nominated for an Oscar. Um, I'll just say that if you're a theater kid or, or like me, theater kid adjacent, um, meaning you are able to hang out with theater kids without wanting to die, that's a special skill. You probably think it's not a special skill, but it is. Oh, it is. It is. <laughs> um, you will probably love Tick, Tick, Boom. When I was in high school, Rent was like the biggest thing ever. I saw it like six times in Chicago. I was in chorus. I was never fully a theater kid, even though I was in like theater productions and stuff, but I was friends with all of them. So like there are scenes in Tick, Tick, Boom where it's a bunch of people hanging out at a party and guess what? They start to sing. And if me saying that makes you want to die, you probably won't like Tick, Tick, Boom. If me saying that makes you feel nothing or makes you feel positive feelings, you'll probably like Tick, Tick, Boom. Um, you know, Andrew Garfield's wonderful in it. A lot of liberties are taken with the the storyline because the filmmakers, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, is, is very uh, obviously aware that people will know Jonathan from Rent. So there's little pepperings of Rent, like music-wise, thematic-wise, throughout. Um, that probably didn't really happen in Jonathan's real life, um, apart from like, you know, the AIDS crisis, because that stuff was happening. But um, if you're OK with that, if you're OK with artistic liberties being taken, you'll probably love Tick, Tick, Boom. Check it out. I, I'm also promoting this because I have never wanted to die more than watching Andrew Garfield do the press circuit to promote this film and have to field almost exclusively questions about Spider-Man. Oh my god! Yeah, I've seen a little bit of this, and yikes! You it's you just, actually see the light drain from his eyes. It is. It's actually tragic. It's the tra- actually tragic version of the Ben Affleck meme. Absolutely, you know? it's the same energy. Yeah, like watching yeah. a man be like, "It was all for naught," you know, which is like so heartbreaking because clearly he was really <laughs> excited to do this role. He's so good in the film. He has great energy. He is a musical theater kid and he was living his best life and then just got questions about Spider-Man. Sucks. Don't do that to actors. That sucks. Um, And then finally, I wanted to recommend Hawkeye. Um, I've been trying to read more comics lately. So in, in anticipation of the series, the Disney Plus series starting, I read Matt Fraction's Hawkeye, great comic book. If you haven't read it, I highly, highly recommend it. It's very funny. Um, 
And then I also read X-Men Grand Designs, also a great comic book, highly recommended. If you're just trying to like introduce yourself to X-Men lore, it's a good sort of starter package for that. Um, so the series itself, guys, I love it. And I'm shocked because this is the series I didn't give a shit about. The only thing I was excited about was the introduction of Kate Bishop, a.k.a. New Hawkeye. Um, but other than that, I was like, I hate Jeremy Renner. But guess what? It took them 10 years, but they figured out Hawkeye. They figured out the character. I always thought it was a huge mistake making Hawkeye a dad. Because that goes way against Matt Fraction's version of Hawkeye, who's like a swinging bachelor. He is just fucking his way through those comic books. But this version, he's a dad. He lives on a farm. And a lot of people hated that move. And it finally, finally pays off in this series. Marvel loves to do this. They love to take their biggest mistake and invert it so it becomes their biggest victory. Because they can't stand the idea of ever losing. So... Now Hawkeye, who sucks, right? I think we can all agree Hawkeye's the worst Avenger. Worst Avenger. Nobody likes him. That's where all the jokes come in. This series proves to you that what you thought made Hawkeye suck is actually why he's awesome. The fact that he can get hurt makes it so much more noble when he fights beside gods. Like, this guy can die at any time, and he just keeps going out there. So not only do I like this series i'm now a fan of hawkeye and i think jeremy renner's great in it i have heard uh i've heard great things i do plan on watching it <gasps> really? um, i appreciate yes i do um i was kind of i actually ended up getting sold by the ads that gave me like heavy Shane Black vibes yes it is like, actually very very close meredith it's it's very close tone wise it's the most comic booky series I think that Disney Plus has done yet. Like there was an entire episode where we just get to see Hawkeye's trick arrows and like what they Oof. all do, and it's so fun. Yeah, and I think like it, it, it just everything about it vibes with a very particular like buddy cop energy that I yes. am very much here for, and so it, I think it will speak to me. And feel like, yes, it'll be comic booky. So I'm I'm actually like excited about getting into it. I think you'll really like it. It's very funny too. Uh did you ever get to watch all of Loki? I did. Yeah. What did you think? Uh I I really enjoyed it. I was kind of like, okay, so it's Doctor Who? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, like very like, cool. Very similar tone wise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh cool. Okay, I guess like, you know, there's a long and proud tradition of very tall, scrawny men like in Doctor Who, so this works for me. Um What did we just say? I, it should be called Power of the Twink, not Power of the Dog. <laughs> I so I did I I had a lot of fun with it. I thought it was like a pretty, you know, it was an enjoyable multiverse setup kind of thing. Um but I think I just am ready for something that feels a little bit more grounded um, because that's just where I'm at. But uh, there's going to be I, – I dug it. I'll Yeah, what I'll say about uh, Hawkeye is Marvel sort of following the improv rules that they had to keep heightening. We got to a point where we have this like – cosmic storyline now in, involving now parallel universes. And what's nice about Hawkeye is – it draws it back down to the micro. So now we just have this 
on the ground story that we're following. And it is nice to, I mean, for Marvel, seeing them be a little more grounded. Yeah. Um, so that'll, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And it seems like the kind of thing I'll probably binge when I'm doing some sort of Christmas thing. Yeah. So before we get out of the pop culture section, um, Stephen Sondheim uh, died, uh, which was another reason I wanted to recommend Tick, Tick, Boom, because there's a a really wonderful emotional climax of the film. Again, if you don't want spoilers, skip ahead. But basically, um, Jonathan, the entire time uh, throughout the film, he is uh, trying to put on this musical that is pretty much a disaster that goes nowhere (laughs) but like he's trying to get producers to come out to see this musical and at the end he finally gets put on the musical after many trials and tribulations and Stephen Sondheim shows up which is like played by Bradley Whitford so like (laughs) of course so much gravitas right so um but like this huge huge moment for Jonathan Larson because this is his hero who has you know come to his show to to watch his musical And then at the end, Stephen Sondheim leaves him this, like, really beautiful, supportive voicemail that, you know, understandably meant the world to Jonathan Larson because he was about to quit. And then he just needed one person, and that one person was Stephen Sondheim. So what I'm trying to say is the reason we have Rent is Stephen Sondheim was a good dude (laughs) and called Jonathan Larson to be like, keep going, buddy. You can do it. It's okay. You'll get there. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I know a lot of people are musical fans and really loves Stephen Sondheim. I can't claim that I'm a hardcore Sondheim head, you know, Um, but obviously he had such a gigantic impact on the on the world of musical theater. So I wanted to acknowledge that. Yes, I um, I am not a musical person. uh, So this is not, you know, his. I, I'm not out here saying that I wasn't listening to the company soundtrack or something, but mm. I know enough about his work and just how he was incredibly generous. Um, apparently, he used to do uh, incredibly complicated, like, mystery, like, immersive. Like, he would plan, like, dinner parties and then make people do, like, mi- murder mysteries. Well, you know, he also did things. crosswords for the New York Times. Yes, and loved video games. What did, He almost quit. Um, composing scores to go write narrative storylines for video games. And I, I heard that and I was like, I would kill to play a video game written by Steven Sondheim. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is, you know, the, that a guy who is in his, you know, well into the later portion of his life sitting around playing mist being like this is a form i'm really into i want to like learn more about it and you know wouldn't it be great if i could do this too like okay that is a true artist who can recognize that there's potential in everything and not be a snob about things and just think about it purely in terms of well wouldn't it be fun if i contributed a story to something like this that could be great um, yeah, I li- it's just I a like, great reminder. I like that- the way you put that because it like it is so inspirational and it does just show what a force of nature he was that yeah, he never got lazy intellectually and you're right. He he so wasn't a snob. He saw like potential everywhere and that is why he was so brilliant. Right. Uh so that's about what I that's how I I feel about this. It just 
he was a wonderful lesson in how to be creative and uh, just continuing to be curious and uh, searching for something new for as long as you're around. I mean, he was going to the theater like the night before he died. I know. What a G. You just never stop. So hardcore. Yeah. So I, I believe the best way to honor him is to, yeah, uh, stay intellectually curious don't be judgmental. Be very open to the universe. Uh, and on that note, everybody, it's that time of the show. We were very inspirational, so now it's time for the nosedive. Here's your bad news. Oh. <laughs> I always keep your reaction uh, while going into bad news because it's always appropriate. Um, So obviously, (laughs) I wanted to talk about Dobbs uh, versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. This is the case before the Supreme Court right now that they just heard oral arguments for. This might be the big one that overturns Roe v. Wade. It looks very, very likely that that's going to happen. So... I understand that a lot of people are like, you know, understandably like very upset by this, but I think this could also be a good time to organize and to support abortion funds that exist right now. So The Cut has a great list of uh, abortion funds listed by state, like places that really, really need it right now, like Mississippi, Texas, West Virginia. So I'm going to link to that in the episode recap. And I'll just say that if you're you're feeling a lot of feelings right now. These places could always, always, always use your money and support. So maybe consider giving money to them right now. Yes, absolutely. I think the key is look for smaller organizations or organizations that are doing work that's as direct as possible Mm -hmm. in states where this is going to be felt the most immediately. Um, and given the state of reproductive rights in uh, in the United States, that could be a lot closer than you might think. Uh, there are an awful lot of places that have some really terrible laws on the books. Um, it's ridiculous. You know, I've I don't even know what to say on the the emotional reaction. It's just there's an element of well, of course, this is how this is right, going to go. Right. Um, because this is has been the design, but uh, also like it's a good reminder. There are you know the fight and the focus should always be on what's happening in your own community and trying to connect with people to make sure that there's something happening that can support people who really need it. Um, yeah, and that is not like you know there's none of these grand sort of pie in the sky like well i guess it's time to start another underground railroad because that's <laughs> offensive oh my god um but there you know there are always ways to to do things i mean volunteer to become a clinic escort um donate to local abortion funds um sometimes i think there are uh i want to say i think there are ways to volunteer to like help transport someone who doesn't have solid transportation, mm-hmm. but there's always elements of being, you know, of, of participating there. Yeah. And uh, if, if you and- don't know specifically of one in your area, if your if your state is listed um, in the list that I'll post, you can always ask the abortion funds when you call to be like, Hey, I'd really like to do more 
how can I volunteer? And I'm sure they would be thrilled to tell you. Um, Absolutely. Um, I also also wanted to shout out Shout Your Abortion, which I um, participated in an action recently where they wanted a bunch of people to tweet out the fact that abortion pills are legal and available online. And if you live in an area that it's very likely abortion will soon be restricted, Perhaps you can stock up now on abortion pills to be ready, or or if you're in a financially advantageous position, you can buy some pills to to give out to other people who might need them. Um, and this is a shitty, <laughs> shitty reality that we're in right now that we have to do this. But I think you know going forward, one of the things we're going to have to rely on is uh, our community and helping each other. So this is a another option. Absolutely. Uh, I was going to say definitely the abortion pills uh, website is really important. And I should say it's for. it's totally legal um, and it's safe. So, um, yeah, you know, the right. But also, is- we do not know how long that's going to be the case. Yeah. So, True. so get them if now. you have get the ability, now. get them now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stock up. <laughs> what a fun reality we live in that we have to desperately be like, buy the abortion pills now, now. But like it that that's where we're at, guys. Um so did you hear about this, Meredith? There was a ransomware attack on Planned Parenthood. Uh, you know, I didn't, but this does not surprise me. Yeah, so 400,000 patients' personal data was exposed. And as someone who goes to Planned Parenthood, I was like, cool, <laughs> damn it. Um, but very scary because one of the things they had access to is um, patients' history so they could see if you went to Planned Parenthood for an abortion specifically. So wonder why they're trying to collect that information, whoever they are, this amorphous they. Oh, of course. And I I think there's been an increase in some of in attacks like this in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I think we're only hearing about some of them. This is anyone who has the privilege to be frustrated and furious that that is what, you know, that their information might have been exposed. If you have the bandwidth, like now's the time to just remember, okay, there are people who are actually vulnerable who mm-hmm. might be in danger here. Yeah. So let's find a way to protect them. Um, yeah, that really fucking sucks. Oh my God. I know. It's scary. Um, did you want to talk about the Michigan shooting? Uh, yes, I do because I spent several of the last several, a few days just texting you random updates about how this all unfolded. This, guys, this so- is how. I'm how I'm so not on Twitter recently. I did not know the shooting happened. So Meredith told me that. Then Meredith is like, oh my God, the parents are such pieces of shit, which you'll explain why in a second. Then there was a fucking manhunt for them because they went on the run and then they caught them. And I like learned all of that from like your texts. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I mean, obviously. It is far too common that it isn't a surprise that at the same time people in the Republican Party are talking about the need to protect fetuses and balls of cells, that a teenage boy who was at this point, the information suggests that his parents had bought him a gun on Black Friday. That may turn out to be inaccurate, but he had access to a weapon. Uh, His parents did not secure their weapons. That much has been found. Uh, The day before the shooting, a teacher catches him scrolling through a search for ammunition on his phone during class. 
They call and leave a message for his mother, and his mother texts him, LOL, I'm not mad. You have to learn how not to get caught. Bitch. You told me that, and I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. So the morning of the shooting, he someone sees a drawing that he has made of him of violent stuff. And with some, I can't remember the exact message, but he there was a disturbing message on it. And he had, you know, drawn a picture of him with a gun and some dead bodies and blood. Oh, God. So they call the parents in and say, this is unacceptable. What is going on? You need to take him home. They refuse. He gets sent back to class. Oh, my God. And then eventually goes on this rampage. So... Ugh. You know, they've they wrote a letter, a, a letter they posted on their Facebook pages praising President Trump, you know, Trump and saying he's still their president. And, you know, so these people are the they're like exactly I know exactly the kind of pieces of shit they are. Yeah. Um, and I should mention. So he killed four students, uh, seven others, uh, six students and a teacher were wounded as well. Yes. And uh it sounds like he did an enormous amount of, of damage. Yeah. I mean, really, the people that were injured were very serious. That's the thing. Injured. Whenever they say wounded, you have to take into consideration this. these could be life-changing inju- injuries, including, like, paralysis. Right. Um, so now he's been, uh, you know, he's facing all these murder charges. There is a terrorism enhancement, which... I'm not sure I agree with because, you know, my desire to see this behavior punished is real, but uh, we don't need to be expanding the way, like the avenues for people to be charged with terrorism. Yeah, the government, like, it doesn't work as it is. The government is really, 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 really good at taking a tragedy and passing a bunch of laws that just fuck people and don't help anything. <laughs> yes. Uh, but it is that I am glad to see that uh, the parents are being charged yes. with, manslaughter yeah um which is why they were supposed to have an arraignment on friday and then just didn't show up uh and eventually they were found in detroit uh in like they were hiding out right yeah but they parked outside oh where they god. were hiding oh my god <laughs> so okay not the smartest people um no and and usually I should say, like, sometimes the media rushes to blame the parents during these mass shootings. And sometimes it's it's really like a stretch and it's it's just society desperately looking for a cause. But in this case, it's like, fuck these people. They had so many warnings. They knew what was happening and they were actively encouraging it. Yeah. I mean, you have to the. I I really wonder, and I hope someone asks and they're forced to say in court, you know, do you think this was a bad thing? Yeah. Like, yeah. They, do you disapprove they, of this? Yeah. Yeah. Because maybe they don't. Right. Maybe they think that he was standing up for freedom by murdering his fellow students. Yeah. I would like, it's, not that it matters, but I would love to know the justification of of gunning down random innocent people. Like, how does that expand your freedom? Yeah. Well, and I, I think there's just, I don't know. I worry that we're going to see more of this yep, because we will. The, the, there are so many parents out here who have, as they've been getting radicalized and they've been yep. going down these rabbit holes, they have immense, you know, influence over their children. Yep. So we're going to see kids who have these same beliefs like out there operating and that's a really terrifying prospect yeah i think you're a hundred percent right 
Um, this is by no means the last example of this happening. We're going to see more pockets of militias like this, you know, um, maybe more decentralized than we think militias would be. But like, yeah, the, these parents who clearly had radical beliefs instilling them in their son who, I mean, now he like, good job. Your kid ruined his life and ruined the lives of several other people. So great parenting. Yeah. Um, and I, it's just a scary time. I think there's, you know, we're going to, you know, you can combining people like this and the implicit message of Kyle Rittenhouse being acquitted. I just don't know how we avoid, like, I'm genuinely afraid that there's just going to be people carrying weapons around like on the regular and looking for an excuse to say they were feeling threatened. Yeah. I guess what's so scary about this too is technically the school did everything right. And there Mm -hmm. was still a mass shooting. So it's like, okay, so clearly the problem isn't, you know, sometimes the schools do ignore things and they do fuck up and et cetera, et cetera. But it's like, this is access to guns and radicalism. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we should take the guns away. That's just all there is to. That's literally <laughs> the only solution to mass shootings is to have fewer guns. And we find all types of way to dance around that. And we're like, well, we should just like, you know, regulate it more. And it's like, no, no, no. if we just have fewer guns, this will happen less. And I'm not saying there'll be no violence because, you know, other countries have instances of like mass stabbings, but way fewer people die. Absolutely. And there's... Yeah, just because yes, knife crime island and all the rest of it, but come on. Yeah. We don't we don't need this this happening. Um we're traumatizing an entire generation, multiple generations. We were the last people that managed to get through school without actually having to prepare for an active shooter. Well, we didn't clear uh, maybe I you might be one or two years uh, ahead of me, but um I didn't fully get out of high school. I was a senior when Columbine happened. I think I was a senior, yeah, because um, I remember a, a a news crew from Chicago came to interview a bunch of us because there were a lot of comparisons between Columbine and my high school just because, like, same demographics, same economic level. So it was sort of like, hey, you're like the Columbine of uh, Illinois, you know? Um so they wanted to get our like take on it happening. And we were all just like, it fucking sucks. It's scary. Like, what do you want us to say? Like, this is horrible. And then like, I always say like, thank God I got out of high school. Cause like what kids today deal with is like, we now have mass shooting veterans, people who have been in multiple mass shooting incidents and they're like 16, 17 years old. That's crazy. Absolutely. And that's, I, yeah, I was, I think I was, out of high school when I had just finished high school when Columbine happened. So, um, but I remember thinking, oh yeah, this is terrifying. And so, and that was so long ago at this point, like, yeah, that, because my senior year, we started to do, um, mass lockdown drills. And I just remember thinking like, this is so wild. Cause like, you know, obviously everybody's very much aware, like, oh, this is what we would do if somebody was walking down the hallway shooting, um, which is just like, uh, I, I, sadly, I think kids are used to that now, but for our generation, there was like the before and then after when we started doing those drills and that felt very dystopian. 
Absolutely. Um, so if we can ever, <sighs> it would be, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure I have much to say other than like, come on guys, like this needs to stop. Yes. Once again. On that note, <laughs> it's that time guys. Here's your good news. <laughs> Did you find good news? (laughs) I did. So before we started recording, I just sent Meredith like a desperate text where I was like, um, as usual, I'm like scouring the internet for good news. So if you have anything, please let me know, Uh, which is always my cheat whenever I have a guest host. I'm like, did anything good happen to you? (laughs) You know, like, please. So I did find some news items. And I like doing a good news section of the show because it does remind me that throughout the week I am seeing good news, but the loud, uh, but the bad news is always so much louder than the good news. So I like revisiting this stuff because it's like, oh, right. Good stuff did happen. Um, So in New York City, uh, we opened our first supervised injection site. That is very good news. And there, there, people have been fighting for that for a very, very long time. Very long time. Yeah, I feel like this debate has been going on forever. But according to Mayor uh, de Blasio's office, um, overdose uh, prevention has um, – sorry, ad came up. Uh, the overdose prevention centers have already reversed nine overdoses within just a few days. That's incredible. And it's a huge sign of how important it is to shift our model of substance abuse disorders and use disorders into a context that doesn't, that isn't punitive because those people would have died probably. Yeah. And, and there are so many ways to prevent these overdoses. Like fentanyl is terrifying, right? Um, yeah. And it's, Everywhere. It's everywhere, and it, there's like, what is it like a pinhead's worth can kill you, like mixed in to the regular drug. So barely, barely anything, uh, like a small, small dose of fentanyl can kill you. So scary, and a lot of people. I keep bringing this up mostly at parties because I'm fun at parties, um, but a lot of people don't know there are testing kits that you can buy at pharmacies to test your drugs to see if fentanyl is in it. And I, yeah. I say this people and they're like what and i'm like so this is just like a failure to educate people too because we're such a fucking weird puritan country that we're like we would rather people die than educate them about how to do drugs safely and and yeah this is i had a friend of mine who uh, he's he works in the film industry and he was he just texted me one day and said we should revive like do a a nostalgic like a nostalgic like drug public service announcement kind of campaign but specifically around drug testing yes like you know instead of being like don't do drugs i'd be like oh i'm sorry like i'm not like i don't i don't do drugs with people who don't know what's in their shit yeah and also like venues should hand out kits it's like yeah like i think like you know uh there was a really great push to hand out condoms on campus right like save sex great yeah everybody should be informed about stis and and how to have safe sex they should also know how to do drugs safely and if you hand out these 
these uh, kits and also, um, you know, uh, any sort of like, what is it called? Uh, the shot for when you overdose. Narcan. Narcan. Uh, hand those out as well. It's like we have something that can bring people back from the dead. That's a miracle. Why are we not equipping everybody with this if they're going to do drugs? Yeah, I know that uh, a few years ago, I was uh, able to, I attended an event that some organizers put on at a, at a bar in Brooklyn, a bar and metal club in Brooklyn, uh, that was specifically, it was a Narcan training. It was, wow. uh, cause, and it was put on by members of the community because a couple of people died of overdoses yeah. because of bad drugs. And so their first response was, in the in honor of these people who didn't make it, we want to make sure that everyone who's a part of or adjacent to this community has the knowledge and the tools they need. They were giving out kits that had, I think they had testing strips and Narcan and encouraging people to just take it with them so that to anywhere they went just in case. And I thought that was a really wonderful example of, you know, a community stepping in and organizing to try and protect itself because they recognized there was no way that they were, they couldn't trust anyone else to do it. Mm. And Every time there's a bit of motion forward to make it easier for people to consume drugs safely and have access to rescue, like rescue tools, um, it's just people's lives are going to be better and it increases the possibility of positive outcomes. Because people will tell you Narcan is not fun. It doesn't feel like it's not a sudden just like reversal. You end up feeling like somebody's punched every muscle in your body. Um, but you're alive because they're bringing you back from, from the, the dead. dead. It's so wild. It's so. Have you ever seen video of somebody being injected with Narcan? Uh, I have not. Um, it's wild. I've definitely read some stories. Uh, and also, I think just because I know listeners are smart and un- know all of these things, but you cannot get you cannot overdose through contact. Oh, that's with fentanyl. There was this stupid, yeah, yeah, misinformation campaign out there about that. Yeah. Yeah. Like cops are out here saying, yeah. like, this police officer, this child is, you know, overdosed to blah, 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 because they like touched fentanyl. And that does not. That does not happen. That that started um, to you spread. You actually have to ingest it. Yeah. That started to spread because a cop lied about it, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And now other police departments have been doing it. Uh, it's very, it's just fucking wrong. It's a lie. And a minuscule amount of fentanyl mixed in with cocaine or heroin can and will kill you. Yeah. Which you should if you touch it. It will not. I, I would say at this point, because fentanyl is so widespread, you should never, ever, ever, ever do drugs without testing them first. Absolutely. It is like, it is literally everywhere in every city, in every town, you, it doesn't matter who you, like, if you trust the people you get your drugs from, yep, yep. it doesn't matter if you're just like doing one line after like at a party. Yeah. Cause you still need to like do it. Guess what? Sometimes the dealers don't know that fentanyl's <laughs> like, of course, a lot the dealers of the dealers don't, don't know. know. Like why would the dealers want to kill their clients? Like it doesn't make any sense. People are cutting fentanyl into the drugs to save money um, because it's cheaper. Um, but yeah, like your dealer. So like also these these cases where they're trying to prosecute the dealers is like also insane because it's like they didn't fucking know. 
Yeah. And there's no way they would because this is a new problem and the system is set up in such a way that, of course, they wouldn't have they wouldn't put the effort into testing. So basically, if you or people you love are, you know, drug users of any, you know, any level, get some of these testing kits and just make it a part of your practice. Like you'll have more fun. Your friends will have fun. And you're saving, like, you can literally protect Yeah, and if you want to be a great party host, um, buy some kits and, like, hand them out yeah. and be like, hey, I'm, I'm not implying anything, but if you have drugs, I want everybody to be safe. Uh, fentanyl is this thing that's killing so many people, and I love you guys, and I want to make sure you're okay. I'm like, like, how cool would it be if you, like, went to a party or a club and they just gave you a kit? It would be great. Yeah. You'd say, oh, right, this is great. I would feel wonderful and, like... I would feel welcome, like truly welcome yeah. into a host home if they were like, hey, if anyone needs, if anyone's going to do drugs, the kits are in X, Y, Z, like no judgment, like just grab it out of the bathroom medicine cabinet before you start doing it. Amazing. There were a couple of music festivals that were trying, there were, um, that had tables, like where groups were, tr- were advertising, like test your drugs before, um, before you use them. Yeah. I think it's just, I think this was a few years ago, but um, I think it's going to take like more education and like I'm sure a lot of people don't want to admit they have drugs so we like need to you know destigmatize doing drugs you know like so people don't feel like well like I don't want to like announce to people that I'm doing drugs to get this kit you know and I'm sure as the technology evolves the kits will be hopefully more accessible and whatnot um although in the direction our country's going um into a uh, ultra conservative hellhole maybe that <laughs> is not the case um but we're in the good news section so I'm pretending that uh things will get better moving forward so- I mean, this is it is revolutionary that we have a uh, safe injection site in New York City, especially at this time. Like this is what we like. We need more of them. And I really hope that a lot of like the leaders in other major cities are closely following what happens in New York, because I think it would be great if it spread out to other you know, to other places in the country. Absolutely. So last good news story. And I can't believe I have to put this in the good news uh, section, but unfortunately I do. Uh, the three uh, white men who were on trial for the murder of uh, Ahmed Arbery have been found guilty. Uh, just to remind everybody, Arbery was the 25 year old uh, black man who went out jogging um, in their uh, South Georgia neighborhood in 2020 and these three white men uh, essentially committed a lynching. Uh, they they shot Arbery twice, point blank, with a shotgun because he was a black man. And uh, they have now been found guilty. And sadly, a lot of people were amazed by this because um, generally in the United States, white people can get away with killing black people. So I am putting in the good news section because I'm glad they were found guilty. However, a lot of people in the Arbery camp are now um, wondering if more charges should be brought against um, Jackie Johnson, um, who uh, was the Brunswick district attorney who uh, uh, Greg McMichael, one of the white men, uh, called immediately after shooting Arbery and was basically like, hey, Jackie, can you help us out? So, And she did not file charges. Right. So now the Arbery family is like, uh, we want her charged as well because she was part of a cover up. Yeah. 
which I agree with. I absolutely think that she deserves to face serious, serious legal consequences for that. And the, you know, just recognizing once again that the only reason these men have been convicted is because there was that somebody leaked the video. Right. And it was somebody who wasn't connected to to Jackie and and her activities because that she'd have sat on it. The whole the only reason that charges were brought was because there was such public outcry after the video showed the truth of the matter. Yeah, and I, and, I should mention Greg McMichael actually worked as an investigator in her office. So it wasn't right. like they weren't like casual acquaintances, like he had worked for her. <laughs> yeah, this was there was a reason why he was like, I think that we can make this. Go exactly, away. exactly. Yeah. Um so yeah, unfortunately I'm putting that in the good news section because Anything to give his family a little bit of closure, even if they obviously want the scope of this to go beyond just these three men, rightfully so. Um, yeah, it, it it is an anomaly in the United States, so I'm I'm happy to see it. Absolutely. Um, shout out also, everybody keep paying attention to the case of Crystal Kaiser, the teenager in Kenosha who is facing first degree murder charges because she killed the man who had brutally trafficked her. Mm. Um, same, same city as Kyle Rittenhouse, but she has been in jail. She's on bail now, but she was initially, uh, given several hundred thousand dollars worth of, her bail was like $200,000 or $400,000. It was insane. Mm. Um, and there is currently a, a argument they're trying to, her defense team is trying to use an affirmative defense. And uh, it was initially rejected, but that's before the state Supreme Court. And I am not optimistic because there are a bunch of crazies on the Wisconsin Supreme Court. But uh, it is very much uh, worth following. And um, despite my mild bitterness that a piece that I pitched with a friend about her case back in last year was not accepted. uh, And then I've seen that version of it written several times Ew. since Rittenhouse. Uh, that's just, you know, me and my, making it about me. No, no, you're but allowed to be petty. She is, uh, she's a teenage girl. She's like a hundred pounds. She's also, and she was, like, you know, brutally abused. goes without saying, because I'm sure you can figure it out from context clues, but a woman of color. Yes. Uh, and the police have hours and hours and hours and hours of videotapes of her abuse that they, and are still trying to argue that she, uh, killed him because she wanted to steal his car because she was greedy and that he was just her pimp instead of her. They always say abuser. that. They always say that the abuser is just their pimp. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, so I think it's going to be a really important case. It's still dragging on, but just a bit of encouragement. If there's something, uh, you know, anyone wants to just keep tabs on it. Uh, I really encourage it because this poor girl deserves justice and I'm very worried about yeah what will happen. Um, well, thank you for, for bringing attention to that. And on that note, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Like I said, if there's anything you want to platform, if you have a recommendation question and you're a Patreon supporter, drop that in the comment section, please follow Meredith at Meredith L Clark. If you don't want to be a Patreon supporter, you can just go to lighttreason.news, smash that donate button to support the show. Thank you so much as always. I hope you are having a lovely weekend and while you're at it, Get out there if you're, I should say, triple vax now, two vax and the booster. If you are triple vax, get out there and cause a little trouble. <laughs> <laughs>